Welcome to A Page in History. Join us on a fascinating journey as we delve into the memories of the world-famous NBC Pages. Get ready to hear first-hand accounts of their unforgettable experiences as they navigated the hallways of Burbank, California and the iconic 30 Rockefeller Plaza. Prepare to hear fascinating stories that were never meant to reach the ears of the general public. And now, your host for A Page in History, David Harris Katz. As we kick off our second season of A Page in History, we have a very special guest that leads things off with a two-part episode. From his early days as an NBC page selling tickets for the tour, he went on to superstardom to craft scripts for iconic shows like Third Rock from the Sun, That 70s Show, and King of the Hill. This guest talents knows no bounds. He also wrote for shows on Nickelodeon, the Disney Channel, and Amazon Studios. This guest holds a very special place in my heart because we shared the assignment for Saturday Night Live. But let's rewind a bit. Before he was rubbing elbows with Hollywood's finest, he had some unforgettable encounters. Picture this, chatting with Wayne, the legendary Wayne from Wayne's World at the urinal. But after they both did their business, he was asked to rehearse lines with the man behind the character, comedy genius Mike Myers. Our guest has also had encounters with comedy legends like Dana Carvey and the late great Chris Farley. And he confirms that Tom Hanks truly lives up to his reputation as the nicest guy in Hollywood. But hold on, things took a magical turn when Teller, the famously silent half of Penn and Teller, cast a spell on him while he was naked. That is Teller, not our next guest. You must hear this story. And one time, things got scary as he was being chased by what he thought could have been a stalker. And then another time, he was stalked by the beloved Al Roker on the New York City subway system. His love of sports led him to working with the chairman of NBC Sports, Dick Ebersol, who happens to love a great cigar. He also got a glimpse of a TV pilot of a little new show called Law and Order. But he wasn't sure it was gonna work. And he was asked to escort a female actress from LA Law to a major event where he introduced her to Johnny Carson, James Garner, and the gracious at the time, Bill Cosby, who bestowed upon him a special nickname. This guest's life is better than a TV drama. And wait, there's more. Ever wondered how to get Letterman tickets? Well, our guest once gave advice to an alleged porn star on just that, leaving his co-pages blushing for him. But through it all, the most fulfilling part of his journey was the family of pages he shared his time with. The bond and camaraderie among these pages made his experiences truly memorable and heartwarming. Please enjoy part one of this fun and interesting episode with someone I hold near and dear to my heart, the one and only Mr. Dave Schiff. Woohoo! Dave Schiff! Yay! Hey, Dave! Dave uh, Schiff! Oh my even God! Even Harris Katz. Uh, I love you, man. And right back at you. Uh, what a thrill it is to be here. I know I kind of, I think I, I gave you the runaround a little bit. 
uh, because you asked me to fill out some form. <laughs> uh, believe me, it wasn't you. I, uh, I, I uh, really was excited by the idea of coming here. Wild horses couldn't drag me away, and they tried. So uh, thank you for having me. Well, um, I can't thank you. know, it's funny. I First of all, it seems like yesterday. I mean, and we're going to talk about, we'll first talk about us working together on SNL. But it seems like yesterday, and we had so much fun. And being able to talk to you now, it literally is a real treat. And I meant it in the open. It's really, it's like... There's some folks <clears throat> like Brian Grossman, right? Brian Grossman, which again, if he's listening, you know, uh, I'd love to have him on the show. There are certain pages that you have a special connection with. And me and you spent a million hours sitting at the page desk <laughs> for Saturday Night Live. It was amazing. It, um, it, it was. I, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, go ahead. Just, just before we move on to some of those those technical things, you know, you and I, and I lived in New York for a, a little while after the page experience. Um, and you know, you're talking about Brian. We, you, the three of us, and and some others. I remember a lot of nickel beer nights at Ryan McFadden's. Yeah. Um, and there are some, uh, I'd say, a lot of pages that I feel like, just like you and I are doing now. I could sit down with after a minimum of 20 years, longer, longer than that, that I haven't seen them. And it it would be just like picking it up from a, a conversation yesterday. Um, Brian, Brian Grossman, for sure. I, I rarely speak with him, but to me, he's next door. You know, I, 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 right. so anyway. No, it's uh, amazing. I, I and it's funny because again I haven't I haven't physically spoken to you in I guess thirty years or so. But if yeah. if someone if you know Janice if Janice Panino or Kathy D'Elia were like okay Cats and Schiff go work SNL I'd be like okay yeah <laughs> like it would it, without missing a beat. Not only would I would I, would that be the case for me I'd say hell yeah I mean I you know I miss uh, that was that was just uh, a time in my life I'll never forget. Uh, and, uh, and I think now, you know, the shame, one of the shames is that the page program lasts for so long, you need to look for, you know, it's an, it's an intro to showbiz and you need to try to work your way in. Um, and, uh, you know, my advice, if I could, if I could give myself advice, then, you know, if I could go back in time and give myself advice, I'd say, enjoy this for what it is. You're going to get jobs. Things will work out you're never going to have an experience like this again. Right. You know, uh, so yes, it was awesome. But anyway, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try well, to uh, pull, pull back from the, the corny stuff for a little. No, bit. no, I love the corny. Well, well, let's start. I mean, basically, and again, for those listening, you know, uh, the program when we were there, it was 18 months. And during those 18 months, you know, the, the goal, as, as I mentioned at the open, you know, we sold tickets. As a matter of fact, we we literally it was it was the same ticket um, machine that that the old style. They would pop out of the table. You know, these little paper tickets. Yep. Um. Right. Which was amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we would and we would be assigned to literally be either on the left side of the hallway if you're looking at you know coming from the elevators to sell tickets, and the other booth was uh, to answer questions. Right. So you know that's what you're basically hired for. But within those 18 months, you have the ability to apply to get a what they called an assignment, 
to work in you know different shows or different departments. So you and I, some you know, we applied for the SNL assignment, and we both got it. So the first thing I guess is tell me about your experience about like applying for it and how you got it. Do you remember the interview process? Do you remember who I, you spoke to? I remember the interview. Um, it was, um, uh, I met, and I, and I was, you know, I was intimidated because that was one of the plot. I mean, that was, I mean, there were a lot of great assignments, but that, that one for me was, I couldn't think of something I wanted more. Um, Went uh, into the SNL office. You know, I, I I guess I don't even remember exactly how it worked, but you sent in an application and then some people got chosen to interview. And I and I went. I remember I uh, the, there were three of them in there, which was intimidating. And it was Marcy Klein, who um, uh, um, was one of the producers, I guess. Uh, well, they were all producers. Um uh, Mike Shoemaker and Jim Pitt. Right. And correct me if I'm yeah. getting the names wrong. Uh, I believe that I believe those were the three. Yeah, and um, I, think, I think Mike Shoemaker. I think he does Fallon now. I think he's the producer he? of Fallon. I think. Yeah. Uh -huh. and, and Jim Pitt. I'm not sure, but yeah, Mike Shoemaker went on. Like, like again, we we knew him working on SNL, but I think he yeah. went on to either work for Fallon or for. Um, for um the other the other late night talk jockey. Uh yeah. Uh, who's on after uh, Fallon? It's um uh, uh Seth Myers. Seth Myers, yeah. He may be working with Seth Myers. One one of those, but yeah, but again, we remembered him these these just guys, you know, whatever. But so go of on. Course. So you went into the interview. Yes. Yeah, so I um you know, I remember thinking it went well in Morrissey, it turned out because I, I grew up in Manhattan. Um, I went to actually I went to high school in the Bronx uh, with a whole bunch of other Manhattan kids. There's a, an area in the Bronx called Riverdale, uh, which is actually very she she. Uh, you don't associate the Bronx with she she. But uh, Riverdale um, is a beautiful area. Um, and I went to Riverdale Country School um, uh, and uh, Marcy went to the Dalton School uh which was actually much closer to where i lived um but uh i mentioned you know in fact uh, she asked me specifically what building i grew up in you know i grew up in a high-rise upper east side manhattan building and she was uh friends with a guy maybe a couple years older than i was who I knew, who also lived in the building. Oh. Um, so, you know, that was right away. There was something to talk about there. And I just, I don't remember much of what was discussed aside from that. But I remember thinking this was a nice interview. I like those people. Right. Um, and um, sure enough, uh, I think probably was it Kathy D'Elia who told us the I, results I, of our probably I don't even remember to be honest with you, but it, it may have been Kathy. I think it was Kathy, but I you know I got I got a note we had that bulletin board yeah. uh in the page lounge and you know I saw a Dave Schiff see me and I came in and and uh, I believe it was Kathy who said uh congratulations you got the uh the Saturday Night Live assignment and of course you know after being you know a moment of being like Oh, that's awesome. 
my next question was who's going to be there with me and when the name dave katz came up i said this is going to be a fantastic experience of uh, and i remember it was two daves and so we got to snl and you tried to get harris started do you remember um, that you well were- mm-hmm. yeah it's funny you mentioned that because i did because there was another david katz in sports that mm-hmm. worked at NBC, where I guess if you Google it, apparently, and I'll use the word prick. <laughs> so, Sorry. and and it's really funny because I I actually went, when I got my job at WNBC, I saw him in the newsroom mm-hmm. and I walked up to him and I guess because people had, you know, oh, maybe one Letterman, like he would, uh, uh, Merv, Marv Albert would always say my crack producer, Dave Katz. So uh-huh. I always sort of got, no, they're like, oh, David, I didn't know you were producing one. So I went up to introduce myself and he looked, he turned, he got, he like turned his head and looked at me almost like I'm going to, sh- I'm going to s- punch you in the face if you don't get away from my chair. I mean, that's how, that's oh, how wow. unfriendly he was. Yeah. So I, so then I, and it was funny cause I used to call people around the building and I would, I would say, hi, this is David Katz. And they would, there'd be like silence. And then wow. I'd be like, no, this is the good David Katz. So they're, oh my God. And, you know, and it was, so then because and then of course living in island the island of manhattan there's a million uh jewish dave katz's <laughs> david katz is living here so i so that's when i started using harris to try to you know be different than than uh the other david katz's i, and, and so, I so. get that and at a risk of going off on a tangent of a tangent i'll simply say that if we have time um dave uh, i mean you know you, you talk about your jewish dave katz Schiff is a less uncommon name than I think a lot of people think it. It's not. It's no cats, but um, uh, and um, there are out here in in uh, La La Land. I am not the only Dave Schiff, uh, and in fact, there's one um, extremely successful manager, and I have some stories about that. But I don't know if we'll even get to that. Oh. Uh, but uh, I I understand the experience of the mix-up with the names and so you were you know you were thinking along the right lines we got there and you were like okay you're dave i'll i'll be harris but you but you know we're pages in our uniforms we both have name tags that say dave or david whatever i don't remember what they said on them and i remember i think eventually it was just kind of i think we were so confused that a guy named dave a guy identified as Dave was introducing himself as Harris. So eventually <laughs> it was just, and a we're both, of and it's funny. We're two, we were both this probably the same height. We were like six, one, how tall dark are hair, with dark hair, of Jewish kids from New York. I mean, <laughs> we, we, we probably could have been brothers actually, which is yeah. you know, so um, that's funny. Yeah. So they're so, looking at um, these two Jews, these two, you know, skinny, whatever. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. So, I was, you said something about your COVID weight. I mean, I was I was a beanpole, six one, probably one seventy at the time. Probably not six one anymore. Definitely not one seventy. But back <laughs> then, uh, you know, that those those were my specs, and I think they were it was similar to your own. Right. Um, uh, and um, and yeah, but uh, so I remember getting to that desk and entering. It, it was funny because, you know, first of all, I always assumed when I 
got to the point where I was actually fulfilling my dream of working on, you know, big time comedy productions. That's what I wanted to do. Um, you know, going back before college even. And, um, you know, I always, first off, d despite my um, enthusiasm to talk to you, I've never been the most effusive personality. Um, and I also, you know, I, I, I kind of subscribe to this belief that I should act like I belonged, you know? So, and, and I think in general, that's how the pages were sort of meant to be. You, you weren't really, it was not becoming of us to be wide-eyed and starstruck and whatever else. And so, you know, from the day, certainly by the time I showed up at SNL for the start of that season, which I think was that the, was that the 15th season, 15th or 16th? It, you know what? It probably was. Cause I, and I, I've talked about this on a previous podcast. I worked the 15th anniversary show uh -huh. and I had just started. So I would imagine that. Yeah. This was probably, probably, this yeah. Was probably the 16th, 16th season. Yeah, then. I guess so. uh, because we worked the, the, the first half. We had that assignment the first half of that season. You know, and it's funny. It's funny. I um. Now, have you listened to uh, a Fly on the Wall podcast? With not Dana? only have you, but people who have no idea just how involved we were in in our own weird way, um, have said you of all people have got to listen to that podcast. I haven't yet. It's okay. almost as though I'm saving it for that ideal time where I can give it my you know my absolute full uh. Uh, concentration because it sounds like something I would enjoy so much. Um, well, it's it's funny because, um, really, this whole podcast, the page in history, is sort of an um, uh, homage to that podcast. Yeah. And the reason I did this was because, and it's funny because they talk about years and dates and things. And I was, uh, you're the first person because honestly, if you paid me a million bucks, I didn't, I, I couldn't, I never thought of what season I worked, but you just mentioned right. 16 which makes perfect sense. And when, when their podcast is a page, you know, or a fly on the wall or, or fly on the wall, I'm like, no, Dave and myself, we were flies on the wall to them watching them do it because we watched Dana Carvey and David Spade interact with other people and hearing them on their podcast saying, I was scared shitless. I didn't know what the Dave, uh, Spade says often, he's like, I don't know what the hell I was doing. He goes, I have no like, I have no talent. I don't know how to write, write um, sketches. And so he's scared shitless. And me and you are like, you know, hey, Dave, you know, we're thinking these guys are are, are the greatest thing since sliced bread. So I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go step further. I was out, you know, uh, during my career out here in Hollywood. This could have been 10 years ago by now. And I feel terrible. I cannot remember the name. But at the time, my agent called me said um, uh, they're looking to develop um, a show um, at this uh, production studio. It's called the the name of the guy who I can't think of. And I was like, back when we were back when I was at SNL, there was a lower level employee. With like he could have been like one of Lauren's assistants, oh, or yeah. I don't 
I feel terrible. I can't remember the name right now, but uh, I said of that name. So I did an IMDb, IMDb thing and I found a little bio and sure enough, it was the guy. Oh. And I went to the meeting. It was a great meeting. I didn't end up um, uh, getting attached to the project, but I said, you're not going to believe this, but when you were working at Saturday Night Live, I was one of the pages who sat at the desk outside of 8H. Um, and I said to him, you know, and we looked up to guys like you, like, wow, they've made it. And he thought it was so funny because he was like, I was nobody mm-hmm. at Saturday Night Live. <laughs> you know, but it, it just right. shows kind of the the hierarchy. And But the funny thing about being a page was that, yes, you were, you know, for all to see, wearing your polyester uh, um, double-breasted blazer and name tag and the those, I mean, those khaki pants must have cost $2 a pair. <laughs> and how many were we issued? Uh, Maybe one. I, I yeah, don't even I think, remember. I, yeah, you really got one pair. That was about it. Yeah, and, and, and in fact... I remember we got the penny loafers and and something I became famous for early on was that somebody had switched. I'm going so far off here, Dave. <laughs> okay, no, but but somebody, somebody, like I, I, I put on my shoes one day and I realized, wait, this left shoe, it's not the matching shoe for the right shoe. <laughs> it, it more or less fits. But they're slightly this the left shoe slightly more worn. This is not this is my shoe. So I'm thinking, well, somebody then, another male page who shares the locker room with me, is wearing my left shoe <laughs> and the right shoe that this shoe goes with. And um, I put up a sign. Um, it elicited a lot of laughs, but nobody could be bothered to look down at their feet. None of the other, let's say 25 male pages or however many there were at that moment to say, wait a second, these aren't the same shoes. So for the rest of my time as a page, um, I wore slightly mismatching loafers. Wow. Nobody ever, I mean, nobody ever called me out on it. It's right, not like right, anybody right. was paying attention. But to me, it was like, this is ridiculous. I can I get two of the same shoe but anyway well no it's funny you mentioned because you know and now and and again it's it's you know who knows what the perception of 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 each other yourselves but like if you said to me if we were sitting at the desk and you said cats my left shoe is wrong (laughs) i would have been like i'm gonna if if it's the last thing i do i will find you another shoe like i probably would have gone to like you know, you know, Janice, give me the keys to the old room and I'm going to search through these shoes to make sure. So I was very like anal it's like that. possible yeah. I could have marched into one of, you know, Janice's off Janice's office, Mary's, you know, yeah. any of those. Yeah, we we had a wonderful group of supervisors in the guest yeah. relations department. But I don't know. It just wasn't my personality. You know, I was like. They gave me a pair of shoes. Some either I screwed up, somebody else it was probably a combination of the two of us. And we found, but, but at least I'm conscientious enough to notice, right. you know. But that's not the point. The point I think what, I, what I was getting at is, you know, we're sitting there. The weird, one of the weirdest things about being a page was that we were, for all to see, the lowest on the totem pole, except for potentially interns, although. 
the interns at NBC were all certain that they were at a higher level. They they didn't realize that all the pages had been interns at all different kinds of places. And, right. you know, so, so, you know, the perception was kind of, and then, you know, based on pay scale. Yeah. You know, and something you left out, uh, of, you know, our duties, we gave tours of the studios. That was one of the, you know, I mean, that was sort of the bane of the pages experience. Like for the first two weeks, it was kind of fun to give a tour of the studios. And then you realize, okay, uh, this week I'm scheduled to give, uh 24 tours over the course of the week that gets old you know but still it was the greatest job ever but 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 i where it relates to snl is that we were like even sitting there sitting and running you know our job to in case you know you have i i've listened to some of your podcasts they're wonderful uh but um i don't know if you've described sort of what Basically, our role was we sat at a desk. Um, you know, nobody had cell phones back then. So the SNL offices were up. I, they were up on the 17th floor, I think. 17, yeah. yeah. And, and um, but the studio was on the 8th floor. In a different uh, part different of the elevator building. Banks, yeah. What'd you say? It was a different part. part. So for those listening, yeah, yeah, yeah. two separate so, elevators. So... We would be by the stage where, you know, the cat on, you know, at least once rehearsals, once the like the run throughs got going, which I think was on Thursdays. Was it yeah, Wednesdays so. or Thursdays? Right. I know Thursday is when, or maybe I'm wrong. I remember there was a day when the when the band, the guest, the yeah. the you know the 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 band who uh, were the uh, musical act uh they showed up on one day i think that was i think it was thursday i yeah I, i've confirmed i believe we've confirmed that with other folks but i believe it was thursday yeah. yeah but um anyway during all that time once once it was time to gear up as far as production goes for that show uh and it wasn't you know earlier in the week obviously they were up on the 17th floor writing and they were doing that up until the last second you know up until 11 29 on saturday night uh the writers were crazed and uh what uh we might get into the star-studded lineup of writers uh that um that were with that show when we worked on it but yeah, go for it but, yeah tell us yeah you could touch okay. on that because all right um, even Co conan wasn't conan a writer conan o'brien was Co we had Conan O'Brien, Bob Odenkirk, right? Um, uh, oh, Robert Smigel. Oh yeah, Smigel. Um, yep. Um, Bonnie and Terry Turner, who yes. were a huge factor in my life later on. Um, but they, you know, they wrote the Wayne's World movie, at least the first Wayne World. I think, uh, you know, they wrote the Wayne's World movie, Zuh, perhaps, um, the Brady Bunch movie. They created Third Rock from the Sun in that 70s show. Um, uh, you know, so eventually, coincidentally, uh, you know, I had much to do with them, but uh, I'm trying we'll to get I, that. We'll, I'm we'll, gonna we'll leave, I'm gonna leave people out. Um, because there was uh, uh, a, a lot of those, right? Well, Chris, I don't know. Do you remember Christine Zander? 
Um, I do. Yes, she yes. was a writer. She was a writer on SNL. She's been very successful out here, and I've crossed paths with her many times. Yeah. Um, uh, there were, I mean, a well, whole bunch. I, I will touch on, uh, and it's funny because Bob Odenkirk, mm-hmm. Sm- um, Ro- Robert Smigel, mm-hmm. and Conan. And what's so weird is that, again, we we would literally see them on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, I believe Conan, he had some success after SNL, I, I think. Uh, the little, name rings. Uh, yeah, name the rings name about, has, has lived you know, on. And then, and then uh, you know, that Mr. Odenkirk, you know, uh, I think something, you know, happened with him. And I'm yes. saying to myself and I'm saying to my friends and my girlfriend, you know, I'm like, it's weird, but it's like I those guys were literally just not just writers, but they were writers on the show. I'd see them often, and mm-hmm. they went on to be these massive, amazing. You know, uh, they got to they got to, you know, hone their craft even more. Um, yes, and actually, because be, you know, some of them went in front of the camera and and became these mega stars, and yes. it's amazing. You know, it really is just amazing. It is, which 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 kind of gets back to where I started before spinning way off here is that we were paid, you know, we were, our, our job there was, we were in our uniforms, you know, some assignments, you got to wear suits and, you know, kind of, kind of look like you weren't um, the low man necessarily, but, uh, or, or low person, I should say. But, um, uh, you know, at SNL, it was clear. We were the guys, we were, we were basically, runner we sat we we sat at a table we handed you know the cast kept coming back and forth we handed we for some reason had to be the keepers of their dressing room keys i don't know why it was not possible i guess because of costume changes or whatever but they didn't hold on to their keys we kept their keys um but we also the phones would ring on me i don't know how many times i picked up the phone it was like it's Odenkirk. Where's uh where's Amon? Ken Amon right. was like one of the big producers. Um, you know, um and uh oh those writers were harried. I mean, that well, was that was a heck of a job. Well, I remember the on the table, there was I guess the yellow note, uh the the notepad that we would take messages. So we right. would take a message from Mike Myers or, right. or Spade or whatever, uh, you know, um Bill Hartman. The, I mean, Bill Hartman. Exactly. We'd write the note down, and then on the table was was their notes. Right. So, so a lot of the talent would would, would come to it. Like the first thing they wanted to see is do I have any messages? You know. So they were right. constantly coming to the table, looking right. for their messages, and we were constantly answering the phones. You know, for them. You know, for them. And, and some, sometimes it required running around. Yeah. Um, and in fact, something I mentioned um, uh, to you uh before this you know here's a story i remember uh it was the night i think it was uh friday night probably i don't know but you know those were very late nights but i remember dana harvey um yeah who was always extremely nice and friendly and and also a guy always always on like a fun like he would walk by and do one of his characters and say hello to us you know but um there was uh one of the senior producers uh, so he came by he was like hey um i'm going down to the restaurant downstairs what um what was the yeah it was the one oh yeah um Oh my God! Uh, but American something or other. I, 
Yeah, the ca- there was either a cafe or a diner. Yeah. There was a ca- yeah. yeah. Okay. Doesn't matter. He right. said, "Listen, um, I'm not uh, scheduled for anything. My wife is. I'm meeting my wife down at the restaurant downstairs. That's where I'll be." And oh. again, nobody had any cell phones or anything. Right. So sometime, probably a half hour after that, twenty minutes after that, um, one of the senior producers came by and said, "Has anybody seen Dana?" And I said. Oh yeah, he's he's having dinner um right downstairs with his wife. And she said, Well, we need him right now. Oh shit. Um, which of course, you know, you didn't have to tell me twice. What that meant is get your ass out of the seat, go down to the restaurant and find Dana and tell him he's gotta come up because we need him. Right. And so that's what I did. And I, you know, I walked in, I found him at his table with his wife. Um, I said, Dana, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm the so-and-so, uh, um, you know, asked me to come down and get you so you could go upstairs. And he reacted in a very mild mannered, frustrated way, but frustrated way, you know, as any of us would do. He would, you know, it was, it was basically a, are you serious? I just sat down with my wife. We we're going to have a nice dinner um i'm not i wasn't on the schedule for anything what's this about and i said dana i'm so i don't know i'm sorry um i'm just the messenger literally and um so uh uh you know i left him to say goodbye to his wife um and got back up there sat down at the desk and he came up like i guess ran found the producer whatever the issue was i don't know I don't know. It was that was out of my, uh, you know, the scope of my job. Um, and uh, then I feel like he must have come directly from talking to that um, producer over to the desk to apologize to me oh. for being abrupt. Oh. And, you know, I was blown away by that because, first off, he really wasn't rude when i you know when i had interrupted his meal um and um you know uh, to me when when you're when you are uniformed with a name tag and everybody knows sort of you know you're this fresh-faced kid uh just trying to catch a break uh and you know you're the guy who if you don't go downstairs and interrupt a tv star's dinner um uh you know we can get rid of you in a second um when somebody who you know again a fly on the wall when i listen to that podcast i'll you know be enlightening to see how he felt his position was but to us Right. That's one of the major stars of a television institution. And, you know, when they treated you with that kind of respect, it really, you really, the uniform really kind of gave you a window into who was just a good person and uh, sadly sometimes who, who wasn't so great. Right. You know, is how how you treat somebody that you know, it, you know, is the first person to get canned if anything goes wrong. Uh, you know, 
that's uh it said a lot so you know there were several of the cast members that i that i really appreciated there uh and dana was one of them and uh and also, let me jump. If you, when you do listen to a fly in the wall, and again, I, I highly recommend everybody to listen to that podcast, mm-hmm. but it's so cool because he's so, he's really so nice. And again, when he talks about um, him making, you know, making it and trying to come up with stuff and, and all this other stuff, um, like I said, he, he was like a page, but just like on a different level, trying to prove right. himself to the world, you know, to his boss, to Lauren. And, and, you know, so he, so again, to, to give him credit, he was, he was a total gentleman with us. Um, and even, and even Chris Farley, we'll talk about him because he yes. also, and it's funny, I'm going to ask you something funny about him, but, or interesting, but, uh, but yeah, he would always come to the desk. Is there anything, any message, right? And, you know, how he, like, he was so quiet and like nice. I mean, what was, what do you remember? Well, well, first I remember at the very start of that season, um there were two well i know uh, i think at the very start of the season there were just two new cast members and a couple who i'll get to came in i think a little bit later if i'm remembering correctly well i know i remember about one but i'll get to that uh it was chris rock and chris farley and first off i mean chris rock he was so quiet i would love to know what was going on in his mind when he showed up because you know i still think he's a young looking guy but he looked like a baby um and um you know he didn't get i feel like he didn't get a lot of screen time when we were there and he was very quiet and i had no idea like i i consider chris rock to be one of the funniest people in the world now you know I had no idea. But I, and uh, I'm, I'm going to touch on that too, because I remember also Chris Rock, you know, was there. And right. So, 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 right. So he was, and again, it's funny because again, in my old age, I, I keep on forgetting, but so we, we did work with Chris Rock then. I mean, yeah. He, yeah. he started when we were, we were sitting at the desk as far as I know, when he, sh- well, I guess when he, he started on there to audition, but, but, you know, like when he showed up, he's like, I'm Chris Rock. I'm now a member of the cast of, okay. of uh, Saturday Night Live. Uh, and I'm giving myself too much credit. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm over <laughs> no, no. that. Obviously he'd been in and auditioned and all of that. And he'd been in on the 17th floor with the writers and that kind of thing. So no, I was not the first face at SNL, <laughs> but, um, right. but he was very quiet. Now, Chris Farley, my memories of Chris, and I sure don't want to say the wrong thing, but, uh, you know, for me, the sweetest guy in the world. And he was, you're right, he was both humble, but also outgoing. And he kind of wore, and now I'm getting into territory that I'm probably not qualified to to speak on, but, but here I am doing it. You know, do you remember... He every time you saw him walk down the hallway, he there there were framed photos. This is what I was before you before you say it that that is what I want to talk about because I'm like I was going to ask you do you remember what he did? So tell everybody what he did because it's very clear in my mind that I'm like was I imagining this? So tell tell everybody. As far as I know, every time you know the the elevator bank would be like we'd sit right outside the studio 
and it was a straight shot down the hole. If we turned to our left when sitting at the desk, you could see the elevators. Right. And the elevator doors would open. Oh, here comes Chris. Right. And he would touch every single framed picture yes on his way down the hallway to the studio clearly it was an ocd thing i mean i think right and in the and and those listening in the hallway were photos of all some of the original cast members and current cast members lining the hallway so he would touch he would go do 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 and do you remember when he went into the studio itself i feel like well I, i remember two See, I remember that Mike, I think Mike Myers would always come out the kind of secondary exit that was around where the food was. Right. Chris, if I'm not mistaken, would jump across. I don't I remember no, he would, he would touch, and again, that's why I, uh-huh. he would touch the the top of the doorway. That's so it. he would touch all the pictures and right yeah. when he went into he would touch it. And again, I'm I'm you know, yeah. my my I'm forgetting things, but but I to my recollection, he would touch it. So he was and he did it every single time. Every time. Right. I mean, yes. It was amazing. I, I you know, uh, well, I'll, 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 I'll tell you know, a few more Chris Farley's. Like, Chris was this kind of guy. I don't know if you remember this day, but I, one night, um, I must have checked with somebody if this was okay, but I don't even know <laughs> if I did. I told my brother, who, you know, was an aspiring um comedy writer and has in fact had a great career out here uh but at that time um i think he just uh gotten out of films you know graduate film school uh and was living at home just like i was uh and so you know i'd come home with stories and i think it sounded pretty cool and i said you know friday night it's gonna be a long night and there are gonna be some really quiet pack i mean i don't know if you remember but like it would be very busy, and then there would be some hours there because we were there late, yeah. especially on Friday nights, as I remember. Um, and there'd be some some kind of downtime. People would come back and forth, but it wouldn't be chaos right. because I guess things were going on. I, well, probably my memory is there was chaos was happening every other day. But yeah, Friday night, like like the sets were being built, the the scripts were written, everything was approved, the band had rehearsed. So yeah, so Friday night it was a little bit quiet because but, it was really the quiet before the storm. Yeah. Um. So there was yeah there was like a but moment. People were, but stuff was happening, and yeah. cast members were around, and yeah. And so I said to my brother, "Come on by on you know this Friday night, just hang out with Dave and me a little bit." Hmm. I don't, I, you probably don't remember that. I don't, I don't remember, but that's yeah. awfully nice. I mean, that's so, I mean, again, how it's such a, you know, it gives me like, gets me emotional. Like it's so cool that, that you were there, your brother, like, come hang out never in a million years at your brother's p- place in life at that moment. Uh-huh. He's like, Oh, come up to the SNL studio and just hang out at the desk. I mean, what a nice thing to do. So go on. <laughs> well, thank I, uh, I appreciate your saying that. He's certainly done stuff for me. Um, and, uh, you know, we're family. So, but um, I remember, among other things, Chris came by, started talking to us at some point. So I introduced him to my brother. Hmm. The conversation was very, very brief. I mean, I, I have no idea what was said. 
but that's not what was memorable to me. Um, I feel like a few weeks late, uh, you know, I don't remember exactly when it was, but a couple weeks later, two, three weeks later, I'm talking to Chris because he, like you said, he would come by and just kind of chat. And um, he said to me, hey, how's your brother doing? I said, oh, he's good. Thank you for asking. I was, you know, I was impressed. And he said, yeah, he's a great guy. And the funny thing was, they didn't have they they didn't have enough interaction for him to really know if my brother was a great guy. But with Chris, I think he meant it. Yeah, you know, he was to me. And there are people who obviously know his story way way better than I do. He, you know, was a very genuine person, and you know, you hear the stories, and I heard them about him. Uh, you know, kind of like he found his, he found his, you know, overweight guy, um, uh, you know, growing up, not always that easy. And he sort of found his niche, which was on the funny guy, you know, I made fun of myself. I, you know, I think about all the SNL sketches that he was in where he played like a, a manic overweight you know or that the famous chippendales uh right. uh sketch right. you know and um i think i i just think it all came from a very genuine place with him yeah. if that makes sense i remember walking outside 30 rock at some point and my page time was almost ending and i bumped into him as he was on his way in and we stopped and talked and i said something to him about how i have a couple of weeks left uh in the program and so and he was asking me well what, what are you gonna do and um again he meant it like you know you could tell right. you, you know um and when he um you know when he died that it actually hit me really hard i'll tell you one more one more chris farley thing and then i'll move on no no chris um, i mean again everyone loves chris and i'm i'm yeah. these are stories and again it's so funny because here i sat next to you the, so right. and and it's cool that you, you have these stories that i don't i don't know so it's it's interesting well um he um wait what was oh yes yes we all remember and uh you know the 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 after parties the snl that that you know there were i think i think the the first of the year and the i definitely the last of the year were like big to do's and there were actually invitations handed out and stuff like that um but you know we as pages you know um and especially when we were working like right we had that assignment you know of course we were gonna go because we could. we right. found you know you know uh you know but even you know all the pages those who you know were seating people on the ninth floor it was like you know what usually you don't get to do this kind of thing in life so we're gonna do it i don't think however as the planning was going on about okay it's gonna be at this club tonight after the show and blah 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 you know we get word and we go I don't think there's a lot of a lot of thought from the uh, the the SNL from Marcy. Now Marcy was really planned those parties. It was Marcy. That was, okay, that, that was Marcy. Marcy Klein. Yeah. I don't think there was any time where she was like, "Okay, and we'll have the pages there." You right. know, we we went because we could, and it was cool, and we worked long hours, and 
hard, fun, but hard weeks. Right. And uh, it was a great time for us to, 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 to go out and drink together. And But anyway, um, it was during the time I had that assignment at some point. So, you, you know, we're at the party, but if we allow ourselves to think about it, I feel like we're crashing it a little bit. I don't know if you felt that way. No, and, and you would think that out of the, well, at that point, it was 16 years. You would yeah. think that at some point they were like, you know, the pages can come or the pages can't come. Yeah. And every week or actually after every show and especially the 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 uh, end of the year show, all we, you know, we showed up and it was like it was like, um, uh, oh, we're not supposed to be here. Or, you know, like like <clears throat> we just sort of showed up and, and you would think that there, there would have been an established like protocol. Yes. Like the pages can't come or they can't, but we all went as if like we were crashing the party. We really did right. feel it. Right. Like we, and we by the way, invited, uh, you know, you know, for anyone listening who hadn't didn't have the experience, we were not there in our uniforms. Um, right. You know, right. We uh, just, yeah. yeah. It was just after like we felt, you know, you, you work if, if you're working SNL on a Saturday night, you know, you're getting off work by two in the morning you know one right. two and, well not not one the show ended at one so we're you know and so you know i think we felt like yeah we're gonna go and we're gonna you know we're gonna go to that thing but but you know there was always at least to me always this kind of feeling like nobody stopped me so i'm here you know <laughs> no, i totally um, agree we would show and, up and we're standing there and again rubbing shoulders with the biggest stars yes and we're like you know yeah but uh but um what i i remember one part yeah i remember always kind of feeling that way i had a good time but but um there was it was i don't remember where this particular i mean i don't remember where almost any of them were except for those and big end of the year ones where we were like literally we received invitations to go um but i was walking out of whatever club uh this party was at and sitting and on my way towards the door there were a couple of tables where a whole bunch of the cast members were sitting and i'm just walking out just unassumingly and i hear uh i hear hey bye dave have a great weekend wow chris farley and then, because Chris had done that, and, you know, we knew all of those people, you know, I'm getting, you know, and Dana, Jan Hooks, uh, uh, all of these people who were with him were like, see you, Dave. Thanks for everything. Have a great weekend. You know, Mike, Mark, you know, um, I felt like a freaking million bucks. It wasn't an everyday thing, but, um, you know, uh, we sort of had that relationship. And then, uh, but anyway, one night, it was a night, I don't remember if it was the dress rehearsal or the live show. Um, but um, a Wayne's World sketch had just ended. And I went to use the facility. <laughs> um, and just as I step up to your urinal second later right next to me is wayne campbell from wayne's world i mean it was mike in full wayne regalia he had the blackhawks jersey and the cap of course wow. um and 
and the wig. And, uh, you know, to the degree that any men will allow themselves to acknowledge uh, the guy standing next to them at the urinal, you know, he, he glanced over to me, he said, how'd that go? Um, and we, you know, we were sitting at the desk as usual, uh, watching on the monitor, even though it was right through the doors, we would right. use watch most of it from the monitor. He said, how'd it go? And there had been, I don't remember what it was. There had been some kind of technical glitch for a second. Oh. Um, and, um, you know, to me, it was probably a, a minor thing, but I wasn't the guy who'd worked on the sketch all week and who's who's on TV doing it and everything else. So he said, how'd that go? I said, oh, I was hilarious. You know, it's too bad about the, uh, about the technical problem, whatever I said. Well, I guess I should have known. I mean, he obviously, nature had called and he had left the studio and gone straight to the bathroom. He didn't know anything about any technical glitch. Mm -hmm. And he said, wait, what? And so I described again, don't really remember what it was. I described the, um, I said, oh, well, you know, for a second, they cut to a blah, 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 whatever. And this is not easy to do. Uh, uh, as we've all experienced this, though, he must have stopped midstream. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, zipped himself up and like was like, "Are you kidding me? Y'all, I cannot believe this!" And he stormed out, and I'm like looking over my shoulder. I believe the um the Blackhawks jersey did say Campbell on the back. It was like that detailed. Um. And you know, with 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 the long fake hair flying in the wind because he's rushing out the door, he's gone. And it took me a second, and then it just occurred to me, nobody, like I think I'm the only person who uh, has had that experience, having Wayne Campbell not only peeing, but 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 asking me how he did and then uh getting upset and storming out to chew somebody out or whatever he i don't know what he was doing you know i don't know what happened after that um but you know again that was one of those just right there was, was how does this happen right how, and it's who, how am i here you know right uh -huh. you're what you just said how am i here how, how yeah those experiences like it like the fact of what you just described Mm -hmm. like uh, words can't even like like my head you you almost can't comprehend what just just happened i mean yeah and again for those that you know i mean there are people that that are like ah tv who cares whatever you know they don't care right but for those that that are into it <laughs> you know and, we were all there because we were into it right yeah the fact that you went to the bed you know that you're taking a pee next to yeah. wayne of wayne's world probably at the time one of the most famous sketches at, like ever on SNL. I mean, these are, th this was huge. An iconic character. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, and, and then of course, you know, you giving him the bad news and then him storming out. It's one of those things where like, what just happened? I mean, it, it really well, is insane. It's really, as I said, it took me a, like, it really was, it, it was sort of a gradual sinking in. You know, I mean, I did. I didn't stop midstream. I finished my business. I washed <laughs> my hands and and I walked back to the desk. And during that time, I was like, 
wow, that was just really something. You know, I just experienced something there. A very strange story. You know, a very unusual thing to happen to someone. But And it's funny because, you know, knowing from, you know, when I did promotion, Mm -hmm. my promos were only 30 seconds long. So, you know, you could spend, you know, you know, a week, a month, you know, whatever, doing these 30 second promos. Mm -hmm. And if one frame, you know, is off or or the audio doesn't come through, I I and my boss, you know, would lose their minds. So here it is. He's on, you know, he's like, and again, see, people don't understand, you know, and Dana talks about this and even David Spade on Fly on the Wall, you know, they were trying to make a name for themselves. And we think of Mike Myers as this iconic person or or actor or comedian. But, you know, at that time, when when you're taking a pee and he got his sketch on, he, yeah. you know, he, he doesn't, you know, like if something happened, you know, you never know, you know, and if and if some tech thing happened, I'd be pissed. I mean, I I would be so pissed. So I understand where he's coming from. Oh, you know? I, I do. So, you know, I mean, I think I did then. But like you said to me, he was so established. What difference right. could it make? But, you know, as my career advanced, those little things, you know, for me, it might be an actor flubbed. Uh, yeah. A joke that I worked so hard on or something. Right. And... Oh, it yeah, it, it kills you, and you feel like you know, you you always kind of feel like you know you're one step away from obscurity or from you know, and right. and and it uh I, I I get that now, but you know, again, back then the Mike Meyer seemed in a you know aside, it was weird. He was both very much in our universe. We interacted with him every day, but. You know, as far as a career and, um, you know, he, he was also just in a different um, stratosphere, you know, but but those problems, those those worries and frustrations I have learned, you know, you, you, you never get to the point where you're like, yeah, whatever. Right. You know, right. Even to this day. Exactly. Yeah. Like if something like that comes up even though it may sound like I, it's funny because even me doing what I'm doing, you know, it, it, you know, if I'm, if I'm cutting something, you know, if one frame, you know, literally if there's a black frame, it sounds like there's one black frame out of 30. Right. I lose my mind. You know, if they like, you know, no one's ever going to see it, but it's those things where it's like, you know, it's like, I should have caught that. It's one frame out of 30 out of one second of air. It's one thirtieth of a second or, you know, and you know, so it it's weird, but it let is. me let me and but as far as Mike Myers is concerned, couple things. One is you know later in life, uh, mm-hmm. you know I hear he gets a bad rap. You know, yes, yeah, so believe me, I've I've heard that too. right. We've heard these things. Now I will say when we were there, you know, back in the day, yeah, I can't you know and and remember his girlfriend was it Suzanne Robin 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 Robin, Robin right? She would yeah. always come to the to the studio. But, you know, when we were there, I mean, he, you know, to my recollection, he was a very nice guy, never lost his temper, never freaked out. Absolutely. I mean, that was the most I saw him freak out was when he was in Wayne Garth. (laughs) And also, look, here's another Mike, you know, again, I can't speak to any reputation he has now or I, I, it's not something I have experienced. I have 
I have not come across Mike Myers since 1991, I guess. But um, he, it was, we were there and it was like the last episode before their Christmas hiatus. And um, I remember that we, uh, the, 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 you know, you and I got, um, uh, what Hollywood, wait, wait, what was the, Broadway video was uh, the yep. production company. We got, right. you know, they gave us sweatshirts. I thought, that's awesome. I got a Broadway right. video sweatshirt. But, um, um, you know, everyone around us is exchanging gifts with different people. And Mike Myers was giving people different, you know, different people different things. And then he came up to the desk and he gave us... Um, I don't know if you remember this. He he had gifts for us. He had taken the time. Really? Uh, they were, it was like, I feel like it was a little, like a miniature Christmas stocking. There was a uh, a, a travel-sized bottle of absolute vodka, um, some chocolate, and I feel like another thing or two in there. Um, now, it's funny you yeah, mentioned yeah. it. It's, it's, ve- it's, it's funny because, yeah. you know, and again, if I had, you know, I mean, again, when we're working the show and Mike, you know, we didn't, you know, maybe I didn't think twice about saving it or something, but it seems yeah. vaguely familiar, I, but that's I cool. But maybe we, you know, yeah, time. no. I mean, yeah. Wow. Um, okay. You know, I mean, to me, again, it's like he was shopping. I mean, I, I don't think he was buying personalized things for everybody, but he, okay. he or Robin or whoever, you know, went shopping um for gifts that he wanted to hand out uh around that time and somewhere during that planning he thought there are are those guys sitting at the desk there um and um you know he he i mean that acknowledgement it's not what he gave us it it was just kind of like you know uh so much there was so much going on around us that we were both a part of and at the same time not you know and um uh you know i'll have to see it with my own two eyes if he if 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 he deserves a, a, a bad reputation uh i you know right and have- i and i i will say this in 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 sort of his defense and some other folks, you know, uh, and especially, you know, some of these like he wrote and worked on his stuff to my, you know, again, well, un, not unlike Conan and all these other guys. But, right. you know, and you as a writer, I mean, you know, it's 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 grueling. It is not easy. It's a billion hours and it's crafting every me. word and yeah. all that other stuff. So, you know, in fairness to these folks that might lose it, you know, right. when you're on set let's say and you're doing something and and you know somebody flubs a, a word or someone's goofing off or you know you could get a little bit uh upset because either you fix it at that moment now or the show will continue without that joke that you just spent a week crafting so you like do it you know you you, you could be a little you know so right yeah i mean that's uh, i i have so many stories from my post page you know my career out here you know uh of people 
sort of not realizing that your lack of preparation just um, torpedoed something I put my heart and soul in, you know? So yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, it's hard to, anybody on their worst day, you know, it, it, it I, again, though, I'm not qualified, you know, uh, uh, really, it's just out there in the ether from what I know that he could be difficult, but yeah. Is it just that he wants, you know, he's, he's looking again, right. Some of these, and you know, some of the stars who, uh, who take the, who, who, who really are like, you know, come at their career from all angles, yeah. you know, um, he's not just, you know, handed a script and said, Re read this. He's, he's trying to craft this, you know, he's trying to write funny stuff himself. Right. So, yeah. You know, you know, and he's, you know, so in any case, it, it is amazing that, um, that, uh, you know, to his credit, and <laughs> if he's listening, Mike, we'll have you on the show. We'll, we'll <laughs> but the fact is that he was, he was always a gentleman to us and, and Robin yes. was always nice. She'd always, she's came like almost, every week yeah. at least yeah robin ruzan i believe was no, the last name i don't remember, yeah, I, don't remember. I think yeah, I, I could be wrong but uh but definitely robin robin um so mention uh uh tom hanks um you in, know in actually, the open when you talk about tom hanks i wish well, i had a better story about that i just remember that he was um he was uh one of the hosts during our time there and um uh, maybe I shouldn't have even brought that up. He said, I have a great story. I just remember his, for instance, I remember um, somebody asked if I could escort him to um, somewhere in the building. I don't, I don't remember what it was. Um, and a, I aimed, you know, I aimed to please. Uh, I felt like, well, you know, somebody here at SNL is asking me to escort a. And I will say this, just for those listening, like you, you, you are now, and you are then, like the nicest guy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, hey, well, so thank you. You know, thank you, so the babe. reality of it is, you know, um, you were always so nice. You were a good guy, and probably the reason you got asked to do these things, they knew if we give them to Dave, he's going to take. You know, he'll he'll be he'll be very respectful. He'll be kind. He'll do the job. We don't have to worry about him, you know, any issues. So, so yeah, to your credit, I remember you, you know, then as you are now, you know, you were always the nicest guy, so friendly, so, you know, smiley, which I guess we'll talk on that in, in a minute. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but anyway, continue. I didn't Listen, Dave, first off, Dave. first, I will move on in a second, but that is so nice of you to say. And I, I could say the same thing for you, to you, about you. And so many of these core pages that we hung out with and worked with um you know that's that more than any celebrity interactions or 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 any of that is what made it so special to me but um and so the the tom hanks thing i just remember i said yes uh, <laughs> i said yes i can take him there and you know in my head i'm like holy crap i don't know where they're telling me to take him oh. um which by the way i you know is a subject involved in an, another one of my uh stories if we have time yeah, yeah. uh with a different celebrity but um 
but you know, it's Tom Hanks. This is like some, you know, big time producer at SNL. Yeah. So I was like, uh, yeah, sure. I can do that. And I remember Tom Hanks in the most respectful, genuine way said, said something like, you're set you you really want to be able to do this but deep inside you're not sure you have you know something <laughs> i don't remember the quote right. but right. it was very funny but in a very respectful there right. was no like you uniform schmuck i right. need to get to this place what right. are you know what i and, and i just remember that week just I wish I had better stories that I remember, but no, I don't know. It's a great, it well, like, he, he probably recognized that the person that told you to take him mm -hmm. somewhere, he's mm -hmm. in the middle and he goes, I could tell this guy has no idea where he's supposed to take me. And instead of being mean about it and being like, right. you, you don't know, he was like, you have, you know, he, like you really have no idea where you were going, do you? And you're like, no, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. But he was and nice then, about it, you know? Exactly. And I don't remember the resolution. I right. did not. I think I would remember if I took him to wherever that was. I think another solution was found. Um, uh, and, 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 and so, you know, a, I might be overstating just how well I got to know Tom. In fact, I definitely am. I, but I just remember, um, you know, there were some intimidating people around when we were there. And it was amazing how... You know, by this point, he had become a big star and also his reputation as a nice guy was out there. And I just felt like I'm watching this firsthand. Like he seems like he might as well be anybody, you, you, you know, he just didn't. He seemed so unassuming and so professional and pleasant to everybody. Um, and so I, I to this day, I get a kick. He's still kind of known as like the nicest man in Hollywood. And I believe it, you know, I, I, not that there are, not that I haven't come across a lot of other nice people. I've also come right. across some that are not so nice, you know, right. but there was something about like, here was this big movie star already, even by then. And there was none of the intimate, like, I remember George Steinbrenner was there. Um, and, you know, he had his reputation and I was kind of scared to hell of him. Like I remember having to hand him some uh, some mints that he had requested or something, and he took them and was gentlemanly enough. But there was this air of like, that's George Steinbrenner, right. you know. Uh, with Tom Hanks, it was like the most relaxed uh, that week. I just remember thinking, you know, this. It's it, funny you mentioned. Everybody just felt more relaxed, right? And it's funny you mentioned George, Mr. Mm -hmm. Steinbrenner. Uh, and again, if my memory serves me, um, Marcy, mm -hmm. I believe because Marcy is on fly in the wall. And again, we're listening oh, to Marcy. Yeah, she, uh, she's doing it. So it's so funny to hear her stories. And she I believe it was and I may be wrong uh, that it was her idea to have Steinbrenner on. And uh, people gave her shit about it because they were like they were like, you know, uh, what the hell? He's not an actor or something. They're like they're like. But then other producers or you know other talent had been on the show and he's like well what about this person that person's not an actor and that person's not an actor george steinberg at least is like part of a new york institution kind of thing and she but and of course i i guess the show went off well um and it's so funny because it because i guess 
And it's funny. I don't even remember because obviously I was there if George yeah. Simon, right. But it's, it's it really is funny how I don't even remember being there when he was there. But, you know, like that's how much I can't remember. There was um, so much. I mean, and that was part of the page experience. It was constant. Even I mean, especially I, I don't think there was any setting more more nuts like that than our assignment at SNL, right. where there were just famous people and and just craziness happening constantly. Um, but you know, the page experience in general was just kind of like at any given moment. You're going to see somebody or you're going to interact with somebody you never in your wildest dreams thought would enter your world. And um, uh, so, yeah, you I, you know, I have a problem. I've had a problem my whole life, which is that I can remember stupid, ultimately (laughs) insignificant things very well. But, you know, classic books. You know, things, my schooling, things that, you know, um, there's a lot of, I've, you know, I got on a plane uh, a few months ago and I had downloaded a few movies uh, on one of my, you know, one of the streaming things onto my phone. And I started watching one and it was this Jason Statham action, action movie probably 15 minutes in i was like wait a second i think i watched this on it i think right. I, I think i downloaded this before and watched right. it and i was like well i'm 15 minutes in and it took me this long to even remember right. you know that i'd seen it so might as well see how it plays out because i don't I, remember. Yeah. ironically know. i'm a big fan of his and i think i've yeah. done the same thing i because yeah. on, on all the stream i've literally we've watched all <laughs> and i'll watch it but like, i've seen this already but you'll watch just, it again it's there, there's there's one where he joins this security, this like Brinks truck security yeah. company. I literally just that, watched it the other day. That it was, was, it was movie. Yeah. yeah, that was a movie. Well, yeah. listen, I I don't want to, I don't wanna insult anybody, but what I my takeaway from that movie is one of the worst pieces of dialogue I've ever heard. Um, uh, his I think Jason Statham's like at least his alias. When he applies for the job at this, I can't remember the name of the movie, but it's some it actually is something with it. Then a French is like is like you know thief something something. I sounds yeah. right, yeah, yeah. It was like and, some French um, title underneath it or something. And so he starts this job as a security company. I don't want to spoil anything, but I guess since I don't remember the name of the movie, anybody listening is not going to make the connection anyway. Right. Okay. It turns out, you know, Jason it's Jason Statham, so of course he's a badass, but. It turns out it's all part of his way to infiltrate this company to exact revenge for the death of his son. Um, and uh, but anyway, so he shows up with an alias, and that alias, his last name is Hill. And the guy who greets him, who's like his boss, says, Hill, huh? I'm gonna call you H. And then through the rest of the movie. This guy refers to Jason Statham as H, which is as many syllables as Hill is and probably didn't need to be set up anyway. You know, it's like if you just started calling him H, I'd say, oh, okay, this guy calls him H. But there, you know, I I have become obsessed with scripts because I write them and that you would take even three seconds to set up the fact that from here on out, 
a guy named Hill is going to be called nicknamed the least clever nickname in the history of nicknames, H. Uh, that really struck me. But boy, this is not talking about being a page. Well, well, but, no, but that what's what's interesting, and again, just for listeners, it just shows the attention to detail. And you know, and I do this for promos and and mm-hmm. and shows, but the fact that you looked at that dialogue and said, um, you know, why does they why do they need to set it up? He could have just referred to him. It sounds, you know, it sounds insignificant. But again, for the viewers or people that just watch movies, you know, just mm-hmm. the layperson watch movies, they they don't realize that it was a writer who, you know wrote something that you don't even know what happened all you know is you enjoyed the movie and it's these little things that maybe you'll pull out that people come that was a really good movie the story was great and it's people like yourself that that craft it so again when you're shooting the movie right you know some uh someone may ad lib something but then you're like well that kind of doesn't make sense and you kind of screwed up just stick to the script you also so again, you know, and, and you also don't realize how many cooks, yeah, uh, there are in the kitchen, and and believe me, I've gotten notes more ridiculous than this. Some executive could have read the script and say, "Wait, suddenly they're calling him H. We got to set that up," and the writer may have completely thrown his hand the director may have you know there may have been like they might have been joking the entire uh duration of the production of that movie about thank god you know uh, so-and-so executive uh you know forced our hand in in establishing you know you don't that's the thing i think it you know you don't know when i decided you know what i like comedy i like television and movies and boy wouldn't it be great if i could have a career in that you're not picturing all you don't realize i mean you might watch a sitcom i mean and and the sitcom the kind of shows i worked on are not so prevalent anymore a lot you know now it's um you know the streaming it's really the, the the whole model has changed but i'm sure this still goes on i mean every Every syllable is dissected, if not, if I mean, by the writer, but partly by the writer, because you as the writer are well aware that the second you hand it in, a whole group of people with different backgrounds, some who've never written a script in their lives, you know, not all, some some who are very knowledgeable in it, are going to start digging in. You know, and so that's why, yeah, I can watch a movie like that and say, you know, even just the cost of the time taken to shoot the lawn. Maybe, maybe, maybe the guy had delivered, I'm going to call you H seven times and it was all captured on film. That costs money, you know, that takes up seconds. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, you do become kind of anal and it's not necessarily a great trait especially because you're watching you might be watching a movie with your wife or something she's like why do you care about that you know uh, right. so- but, but you know the good news is and 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 I, and we'll talk we'll uh, in a little bit we're gonna because i want to go through all the shows that you worked on and but but 
you know, I will say that it, like it, it is a craft. It's, it's, it's that attention to detail that can mean success or failure. And when you watch something and we, you know, we, we're members of like the AMC uh, A-list thing. So we've seen uh, every, we too. Yeah. yeah, we've seen every movie there is. Yeah. By the way, can and, we, can they stop showing the Dan Nicole Kidman thing already? Oh, I know. I know. But actually, I'm in the theater. You don't need to I, sell me. But you know something? Ready for this? This this is a, this is a perfect example. I'll give this one example. We'll continue. Then we're gonna come back to the to your shows. But in that open, mm-hmm. in that little promo, she does. This is this is a this is exactly what we're talking about. So uh-huh. so she comes out and she it's a voiceover, and right. you hear her voiceover like you know coming to the theater this and this and this, but then mid of that promo. She actually says the words. She, you see her lips. She's talking sort of to yeah. the audience, because... and then she sits down. Oh, and yeah. then she says, like I think at the end, you know, because here it's they here, are, like they she are. says something. Yes, right? absolutely. So, so I've watched that. I, you know, see it every time the thing opens. Yeah. And I've said, I literally have said to my girlfriend, I said, I don't like the fact that she's voicing it as this sort of voice and sort of get you then. And we're supposed to just like hear this voice. Right. But then in the middle of it, she talks to you. Yes. Which I think lo- breaks the wall. Right. And then she sits down and then she she speaks to you. I would have done a voiceover up into the point where she then looks at the camera and says, because here they are or whatever it is. So, again, as a director, you know, if I was directing yeah. it, I would have not done it that way. Uh, and also they use they use. um a boxing shot, a 1984, uh, mm-hmm. Wonder Woman, and some other shot. I forget what other movie. Yeah. I, and me as a director, in, in, you know, I would have said, I would have done something where, okay, can we change out those movies so every time we show it, it's it's not Wonder Woman that's three years old or whatever it right. is, you know? So, so to your point, like I would have said, what can we, you know, is there a way we could shoot something where we could either key in other movies, you know, for that one shot, we'll yeah. just, you know, uh, through, you know, digital product, you know, put in a different movie each time. So, so yeah, it's, it's anal, but in my, in my opinion, it makes a difference, but right. let's, let's move on. Cause I want to ask you just a bunch of other questions, but then I do want to talk about the, your, your, um, you know, third rock. Uh, that 70s show and King of the Hill plus the Disney Nickelodeon stuff. Sure. But I just want a, a couple of quick things. One is um, the Penn and Teller story. Um, so let's let's hear about that. It, I'm it a magician, needs, so it I needs hear to be told is. and uh, it also uh, needs to be shortened. So while you hear the story, just know that it went on way longer than I'm going to explain. <laughs> okay. I, it was I had just finished my page training you remember that we studied you know we studied the book we had to take we we accompanied people on tours we had to take the test and learn and um it was so i guess it was like my second week and i was now just not a training page just a page and i was given the letterman that was 6a right correct yes yes so i was given the 6a door assignment for uh a shot uh, for uh, you know, one taping, one episode for the episode of uh, Letterman I'm shooting that day, um, and so you know I was new. And by the way, David Letterman was as much an inspiration for me 
to pursue, you know, what I ended up doing as anybody, I, you know, uh, uh, he was my hero in high school. And, um, uh, so, you know, I'm right there. The first thing you have to do is get all the drinks set up in the green room and Will Lee, the bassist from the band comes in to get some coffee and he's talking to me. And I'm just like, you know, I had, again, I grew up in New York city. I had attended Letterman tapings, several times when being a page wasn't even on my radar i mean i i knew who they i knew that that's who those ushers were but um uh but so you know this is all very cool and then i stood at the door now um for whatever reason the um uh uh um the way that the way the shifts work there is you did that. You set up the green room. You just stood by the doors for the first half of the show on the floor. And then it was determined, well, you, you know, you can't stand through a whole hour of shooting of Letterman. So another page would come, you'd get a break. Another page would come replace you. So I am in that particular episode, I'm standing, you know, in that place by the doors uh, inside the studio, Penn and Teller come on, uh, and they do a routine. Uh, you know, we we all Penn and Teller are the you know sort of comedic magicians. Uh, you know, they do they, they they pull stunts to shock and laugh and amuse you. And and um, anyway, so so Teller is in one of those boxes that uh, um, uh, you know magician you see magicians use it all the time for sawing people and 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 pen the one who speaks is you know showing off his trick of how he's gonna saw teller in half but of course uh you know it's a pen and teller bit and suddenly blood starts spurting out everywhere as he saw him, and it's as though the trick went terribly awry, whatever. Uh, I, you know, I don't remember exactly, but I think Penn and Teller can be very funny. I'm sure it was very funny, but whatever happened was eclipsed in my memory by what happened next, which was that that right there, like as that segment ended with Penn standing there over a boxed, bloody teller, um, uh, you know, they go to commercial and, and Letterman, as you know, you know, was it was shot in real time. So even though, um, you know, there were commercial breaks, they lasted the length of the commercial breaks and then the show would start up again. And in between, lots of stuff was happening, um, you know, to change over to the next segment. And so I don't remember who the page was who came to replace me because that was the halfway point. And I was on break until the uh, until it was time to uh, let the the audience out. Um, and um, as I started to walk away, I saw Penn and Teller like exiting the studio, and Teller's still in this box. And I thought, and so I, you know, I was watching for a second. I was about to head to the elevators, and they open the box, and I don't want a bunch of angry magicians uh, um, um, stalking me. So I won't reveal it, but it may be obvious to everybody, but I had not known. I hadn't, I didn't, I mean, I knew people weren't really getting cut in half and then instantaneously uh, 
rebonding as though nothing had happened when magicians <laughs> did that trick. But I got to see, like, I saw, okay, so that's that's how that trick is done when it's not done as a comedy bit also. Um, and so uh, Mr. Teller, who, uh, you know, again, is famously mute, um, he steps out of the box and he is covered in stage blood. Um, I mean, sticky, you know, awful stuff. And because I had been standing there, I was standing there watching it because I was fascinated by how, you know, how it worked. I was still there. I should have been down the <laughs> hall and gone. And once again, this was the other example that I, that when I was talking about Tom Hanks, of somebody, no doubt, important on the Letterman staff. Uh, you know, I was very new, so I didn't know who was who at all. And uh, coming up to me and say, and saying, um, could you take uh, Mr. Teller to a shower uh, uh, in the building? Because he's obviously covered in in this awful sticky gook. Now, again, I had just been trained as a page. Right. Part of the training was not where showers are in the building. Right, right. But I, and, and I actually, I have to admit, I think I was, I said there, I was like, I would be happy to. I'm not entirely sure where to take him. Right. Well, there was, there was a security guard there too, um, who seemed to greatly, it turned out, overestimate his knowledge of where showers were located in the building. So with this security guard leading us, I am escorting teller to um some unknown sh some shower we would eventually be led to and the, and the uh, funny thing is i in my mind uh when you're done because i don't i don't really know where what the answer is but i i do have an idea of what i what i would have done and i'm well, curious to see what you did but so my on. experience you know eventually i would have known uh you know uh but uh again i was brand new yeah and the, um, yeah. but so we're walking and I'm having a conversation with the famously mute magician <laughs> and he's, you know, very nice, very, you know, just, just seems like a pleasant soft-spoken, I mean, not non-spoken as his character is, but you know, nice, intelligent, articulate, smart guy. And so already I'm like, well, this is a story to tell, you know, how many people have spoken with teller, you know? And um, anyway, this security guard and and look, I'm I'm sympathetic. He probably felt like I'm going to get fired if I say I don't know where a shower. Is. Who knows? Right. But um, he's leading us all the hell over the building, and we're not landing on any showers. And I mean this this journey. I I think we we were on a raft in the Nile for a while. <laughs> I mean we were all over wow. the place. Um, and again, Mr. Teller is covered in a sticky, awful goo. And and we're we're walking down a hallway, then reversing, coming back down the other way. Um, I don't know any better. Uh, I thought this guard did, you know. So I'm sort of, you know, I'm I'm becoming aware this is taking a long time. I'm even thinking, well, I'm gonna have to, I don't remember what the word I know. We filled the audience and then 
what was the word for releasing the audio? I don't, I don't, spilling, whatever. spilling, spilling the audio. Spilling. We used to spill the audio. I, I was, um, you know, I was, my break was, uh, was being used up trying oh. to find that shower for Mr. Teller. Uh, and so, you know, I, I was certainly aware that time was ticking. And eventually, we wind up on the eighth floor. Again, Letterman's on the sixth floor, but that gives you some idea. Right. We're going upstairs. We're, we're going everywhere. And this is probably what you would have suggested. Like later, when I worked at SNL, I realized, oh, some of those, dress those dressing rooms have shower. Or, or no, there's a, sh there's shower, a, sh a bathroom with showers in between the dressing rooms, I think. Up on that, like you walked up that staircase that was on the eighth floor. You walked up. There were those uh, the the cast member dressing rooms, and I think bathrooms with showers like in that hallway as well. Well, yeah. So, okay, go on. Go on. Well, I, at least for this story, that was what I learned. Um, and I I uh, so anyway, we wind up on the eighth floor. Do you remember what when SNL was on hiatus, which it was at the time because uh, like they shot their last episode. Um, the week I started for the season. Do you remember what show was in Studio 88H? Is it possible it was at House Party? It was House Party with Steve Ducey. It's okay. <laughs> um, something somewhat less exciting than Saturday Night Live. And uh, my apologies. I believe, believe he's a Fox News personality, right. Steve Ducey now. I uh, I don't know for sure. I mean, I, I know he has been. Yeah. Um, and... Um, but uh, but yeah, he had a talk show there, and there was, of course, a page who had the slightly less glamorous <laughs> assignment uh, for House Party with Steve Ducey. And uh, anyway, the show was shooting at that time, and she was sitting outside at that desk, and here comes a security guard, that new guy who just joined the page program last week. And um, uh, and a and bloody, a bloody covered guy. Right. In her, in her eyes, it was just right. a guy. Like she looked like, what the hell is going on here? And we, and I, either I or the security guard, I don't know, was at that point was like, do you know where a shower is? And she said, oh, okay, yeah, you can go up if you if you go up that staircase. That was kind of kind of just to the right and behind where our desk was as you know that's where the dressing rooms were uh there's a bathroom there's a shower in it so at that point the security guard bid mr teller and me adieu and i and i in fact i i believe he said i i now bid you adieu oh. um Oh, that's sarcastic dave but um <laughs> anyway um so we go up the stairs and sure enough, yes, there's a bathroom and there's a shower in that bathroom. So I say, okay, I'm so sorry for the, you know, I'm sorry for the light. No, it's it's fine. It's fine. I understand. Uh, uh, thank you very much. And that's it. And the door closes behind him. Um, I come back down the stairs and that page who had let him up said, wait, that was Teller from Penn and Teller? And I said, yes, he was, and she said, I guess she had found out that they were on Letterman and he, and she made the connection then she, 
I don't know who what she thought we were doing. I I, I think she she thought maybe some audience member got stabbed and, and yeah, it could have looked so like horrified right. security when, guard, a page. This guy could yeah. have been like murder, you know, like right, right. So, but I came back down and her eyes were wide in a different way. She was like, "That was Teller." I said, "Yes." She said, "You gotta get him a dressing room." Oh. Uh, and I said, "All right." And she, you know, she had access to the dressing room keys that we guarded late, uh, you know, a few months later. Um, she hit me. She said, uh, "Go up there and tell him that dressing room seven is open for him." Now, I have to admit. I felt like the guys in the shower, his patience seemed to be waning. <laughs> but I also am a brand new page. I want, yeah, you know, again, eager to please. If this page, senior page, is telling me that this is what has to be done, I better do it. Right. So I take the key. Or, or no, she unlocked. She unlocked the dressing room. I didn't have the key. She said, "Tell him that dressing room seven is open." So I, I sigh. I knock on the door. Mister Teller, Mister Teller. Suddenly the door swings open, and a uh, a naked uh, a naked Teller uh, dripping soap suds, water, and blood is staring back at me and I don't want to, uh, I don't want to go R rated. Maybe, maybe the image of the naked <laughs> teller already did that. Um, he curses at me and says, what? And I said, um, dressing room seven is, is, is open for you. I think he cursed again, said, I don't care, slammed the door in my face. And there there ends the relationship between me and the mute uh, comedic magician. Um, and uh, I went down like I, we probably we probably had to spill the audience. And then I. Yeah, I felt like oh, I better report this to management just in case Teller is you know, calling somebody at Letterman saying, you wouldn't believe this idiot. Um, and actually, the second I told the story, it had spread all the way through anybody who was in the guest relations area at the time was learning the story and laughing so hard. Uh, and, but, you know, again, I was the new guy. I was like, I was just shell-shocked. But, you know, a little after I realized it, it all smoothed over a few days later, you know, I was like, well, there's a story to tell, you know, for the rest of my life. Um, and now you've given me a, a, a forum <laughs> and thank you for hearing me out. But yes, that was uh, just one more of those surreal um, experiences. Um, and, I, you know, they're still out there performing. I see them and I'm like, you know, there's an audience of millions watching these guys, but I'm the only one who's seen the guy naked. <laughs> Coming you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Well, I will say this in your defense, uh -huh. which also is very interesting. Here it is that they put these young kids, 20 years old, whatever we were, 
yeah whatever i and and again correct me if i'm wrong not once did they say listen you know you're going to meet famous people we don't want you to do this this is how you do this this is where the showers are this is how you do this they pretty much were like learn all of the nbc history and go yeah so right so the fact is what do you know from it you know and it's funny because when they give you him to go to a shower Mm -hmm. you would think Mm -hmm. uh you know perhaps if it was a a big network you know, right. somebody would have explained to you, you know, we have a shower and dressing room waiting for Teller to wash off. Right. Um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And um, and then, you know, give you those directions. And what I find funny and actually from both sides of the camera, I guess, you know, uh, when it, whenever I produce something, I am so anal where where I would say, like, once they're covered in blood, we need to get this to then wash them off. And then this is where they change and this and this. And you wind up preparing that. But ironically, I work with a million different things. And and the people don't do that. <laughs> like, oh, they don't yeah, do that. Exactly. I and mean, it's like, didn't it occur to you? And I, you know, not you. but exactly what you I was going to say. You say, doesn't it occur to these people that, like, they should say to you, by the way, Dave, who just started, right. you know, this is what you do with him. So, right. and, and, and by the way, I'm not just in case any of you know from Janice to Kathy, Mary, oh, sure. oh yeah, Mary Rothschild. It's not them. It's not them. No, this was an unexpected for right. us. This was for guest relations. Right. This wasn't on this on the on the schedule, but but late night with David Letterman by that time was a very well established right. show, and Penn and Teller were a very well established act, and they obviously knew what their performance was going to be was right. going to entail and nobody thought we'd better make sure that he can clean himself off afterwards and instead it was this spur of the moment hey you're a kid with a name tag right. take care of this and right. you know i was not i was not prepared um but you know in retrospect i'm thrilled that i wasn't prepared first right. off you could never be prepared for anything that might come up there because things came up all the time but also it was that you didn't anticipate so many of these things that made them stories that you know you remember for the rest of your life and it's funny because when i what used to watch letterman or shows you know similar and something like that happened where they either got all wet or they Mm -hmm. this in the back of my mind, I said, I said, well, they have to go change or take a shower now, yeah. or, you know, they get hit, hit in the fire with a, with a, or hit in the face with a pie or they go. And it's funny. Cause, cause again, as a viewer, I'm like, well, they, they must've, they might, they must have a change of clothes and, you know, right. but apparently not. Well, <laughs> I know? guess he must have. Um, had a, I don't even remember his carrying clothes with him when I, when we went on our tour of the building, right. but he must, he must have been, I mean, right. he he seemed like a smart guy. He must have known, well, I'm going to have to close on right. after this. Uh, but I don't even remember that part of it. But I sure remember which dressing room we opened up for. Wow. Uh, you know. Well, it's funny because what I would have done only knowing, I guess, what I know now. Yeah. I would have just said, what's the quickest point between point A and point B? And I knew that, remember, the guest host and the guest band had a, dr- a shower in their dressing rooms. 
So I would have been like, let's just take you from six, go right to the stairwell, go up two flights. And then I would have poked my head into one of those dressing rooms and said, right. can we borrow this? Right. Let him go in there. I would have stood out there and that was it. But again, you, you didn't you didn't even I didn't know anything. Right. Exactly. Uh, I mean, so I, I, knew, think, you know, I knew. Sorry. I knew like, you know, the history of who uh, hosted the Today Show and, right. and all that stuff that was in that manual. But that was really a guide for the tours. Right. And still, right. by the way, eh, we won't go into this, but those stories got so bastardized, like like it became a game of telephone right. where where like you would be training to give tours with another page who had been trained giving tours by other pages. And the stories got so mixed up, you know, <laughs> there were just outright right. misrepresentations like eventually i think one of the things i think some people walked away from that tour under the impression that the today show was actually shot in a shoe store uh, uh well or originally i believe originally now again originally to my understanding it was where the floorshine store was on it the was where the floor originally store was, was. Became. right it was right. not where the floor shine store was <laughs> when the Today right. Show was being right. produced, and, right? And, but but things got so bastardized, and I, I shouldn't I shouldn't waste time with this. But um, uh, the, right. they weren't selling I, shoes while they were doing the weather, right. the exactly. You know, and, 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 and 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 somewhere along the way, you know, we always talked when we were lucky enough to be able to take people into Six A to see the Letterman set uh, on the tour, which was fairly rare, uh, as I remember it while giving tours. Much to the disappointment of everybody who was taking <laughs> the tour, pretty much. Um, but, um, we talked about like one of the talking points on the tour was how he kept the studio so cold. So the audience would be alert. And I mean, this is when I was getting trained as a page, I would listen to the other pages and, you know, when you're getting trained, we must've gone on I don't know, 10 tours with other pages, whatever, just, just to learn what they did. And everybody just kept saying, you know, uh, David Letterman likes, likes it very cold in here, so the audience is sharp. So they pump refrigerated air into the studio, and it was referred to as refrigerated air. And I remember the first time I heard that, I was like, is that air conditioning? I mean, don't we have a term for that? It's, 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 not, it's not such a, a weird – they're not they, – you know, they haven't gotten to Finland, boxed up a bunch of air, you know, stuck it in this miraculous cooling device. And then, you know, I remember it's funny because I do remember they called it refrigerated air. I, I remember <laughs> that is funny. Wow. Uh, but anyway, yeah. I, I feel like I. OK, no, no, this is well, OK, we're going to we we have a, a couple of more to go. Let's let's quickly we'll, we'll sort of do the uh, the speed round on a couple of these. Um, so you got stalked, you possibly thought you were being oh. stalked, and then Mr. Al Roker, and then I want to, I have a quick, a funny story with that too, but go on. These are, these are, these two stories are just like, to me, I was thinking a big part of the page experience was like, I, I learned like, I, you know, I, I knew that people got starstruck. I had, I really had no concept of what it was like to be even a minor celebrity, you know, um, uh, in a building where all these shows were shot and guests were coming, you know, like other uh, so major and minor celebrities were coming in. And so 
I left the building in one example. I left the building one day. I came out of that, you know, the elevator bank the, where the studios are and um, walked through the security gate and turned the corner to start heading towards where, you know, the exit of the building abutting the skating rink, essentially. Right. And um, I started like I, I think I heard somebody calling. I look over my shoulder. I don't recognize anybody. I keep walking and steps are, I, I hear, hey, hey, you know, steps are coming closer. Um, Like, I'm picking up my pace, but I'm like, I think someone's about to stab me. I like, you know, <laughs> what the hell is going, you know, and I get a tap on the shoulder and I turn around and it's a guy with a pad in his hand and a pen. And he says, are you famous? And I said, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not famous. He said, oh, okay. And then he turned and walked back towards the elevator. Oh, and that was it. Oh, so it was just like, he didn't, he didn't recognize me as somebody famous. He, you know, I, 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 but people, there are people who are so crazy to, and you know, also to sell autographs and stuff like that, that like a schmo who just changed into his, you know, t-shirt and jeans from the page uniform he'd been wearing is walking out the building and it's necessary to chase after him to make sure that he's not somebody who's been on tv right. you know i that that was just one of those eye-opening experiences another one that was wait before you before you talk about roker uh just to touch on what you just said uh -huh. i too when i was leaving it was a saturday night I had a baseball cap on again. I just changed into it probably yeah. was two in the morning. I don't know. Yeah. And I'm walking through security, right. Um, you know, in main hall and someone goes, Norm, Norm, Norm. And he's chasing <laughs> me with a pad and a paper. Uh -huh. So literally there is somebody out there that has my signature that says Norm McDonald. And that's when he was on the show. So someone <laughs> thought I was Norm. I mean, I someone thought I was Norm, and I literally signed Norm McMahon on. I think and that, it, it was his photo. He had a I photo. I love that. Can, can, so, I'm sorry. can I really quickly, um, uh, a story? Really quickly. Yeah, I no, was, we got all the time in the world. This will people giving, can order I, dinner and listen to this podcast. I was giving an NBC tour, and it was a school group. Uh, I think it was an all-girls school, or at least my tour group. There were like a whole bunch of tours booked up by this school um and uh, anyway so the, the, it was cool uh a bunch of teenage girls and i'm taking them around we were on the eighth floor and somebody somebody looks down the hallway one of the girls on the tour and says that's the brother from the wonder years Oh. Um, not not obviously not Fred Savage, but there was the uh, the other guy, and I I didn't really watch the Wonder Years. Not that it wasn't a great quality show for you know anybody who might be listening and judging me for that. Um, but um, uh, I do remember the brother. He had kind of distinctive sh shape of like like sort of um, his face had a distinctive shape to it, as did this guy, and so I was like, oh, I guess. They watched the Wonder Years and they recognized that guy to be his brother. And they're waving at him and he waves back. And um, 
uh throughout the, they're giggling throughout the tour they saw the brother from the wonder years they come downstairs i you know any last questions thank you for coming blah 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 other girls from their big group who either just taking the tour or waiting to take the tour there and they are they are practically in tears with excitement telling these girls that they saw this they saw the brother from the wonder years down the hallway and he waved to them so you know like a week or two later um we were working at SNL you know it was we were doing our SNL thing you and I and Steve Corin uh former page who uh is, has been a very successful writer and uh by that point was writing for SNL or working for SNL anyway yeah, I don't he know. started yeah well he probably was doing the reception at SNL that, that might be yeah anyway. um but anyway he was by the desk and that same guy the apparent brother on um the wonder years walked down the hallway and I said Steve, do you know who that is? And he's like, yeah, he's one of our interns. <laughs> so there to this day, there are, I'm sure, right. I'm sure there are, you know, now 45-year-old women right. um still saying, Yeah, I remember I, I remember I went to LA once and we are with our school and we took a you know, we took a tour of NBC and we and and the guy from and the Wonder Years waved waved to me. Right. Wow. He was some intern who God knows what. I mean, maybe he's very important now. Who knows? But as far as they're concerned, for the rest of their lives, they had an experience that didn't actually happen. Right. Um, but I will touch on that. It's funny because in, uh, in some of the podcasts, I, I sort of get very uh, something. But, you know, it is amazing because, you know, they were, you know, I think, you know, talking about joy in life. Yes. You know, here it is. These girls, they were young. They were on a school trip. And just like we were bright eyed, you know, pages, yeah. we didn't know anything. They show yeah. up yeah. and they, you know, to to have an experience. And I and I do talk about, you know, in a, on, on a previous podcasts, you know, about getting into the office and, and rubbing shoulders with people. But it's yeah. like you you in that moment created an experience for them that literally affected their their like their lives. It's so amazing that you were there to create these experiences for these kids. And really, you know, at some point, you know, we all leave this planet. And the fact that, that when they were little, you know, they went on a tour that you, you know, was got were guiding and, you know, created a, an experience for them that they will always remember. So I think there's really something very special about that. And I think that, um, you know, and again, people looking for jobs and things, you know, to do what they love and to be around things, you know, um, you know, every single page that I've spoken to, you know, we all feel the same way, you know, that being a part of that time was ma literally magical. And it was what's, what's ironic is that it only, we were only there for 18 months. Yeah. And I think we have more stories in those 18 months than I have in the past 30 years. And it's, it's almost mind boggling. So I just think that's really cool. Right. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, honestly, as long as I've, you know, I've talked to your ear off and I feel like we've skimmed the surface. I could probably think of a zillion, I mean, crazy experiences that were also, but you're right. People, you know, some people 
took the tour when all the studios were closed and it was maybe not a magical experience, but it, it was nice. You know, it's easy to become jaded to some extent. I mean, I, I don't feel that. I mean, I think certain aspects of, of, uh, you know, the special environment, uh, I, I maybe took for granted, uh, after a while, while I was there, but, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, people people would the, the waiting list to see Letterman if you didn't have an in uh was like a year and a half when we were there. Yeah. And so you had people coming from all over just because they finally got their chance to attend a taping of Late Night with David Letterman. Um and listen, I you know I grew up in New York. It wasn't the same thing, but I can, I loved the guy, you know, he, again, he was, he was a hero of mine. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really, it was really cool to get to help people, even if they weren't there to see me, you know, just to, just to, just to be a part of people having, um, experiences that, you know, would really, you know, be memories for a lifetime for them. Uh, even if they saw something they didn't, they, they, they didn't exactly. see something they thought they saw, you know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm happy. I, not that I knew how to track them down, but I certainly right. wasn't going to uh, burst their bubble. Right. Uh, when I found out that, you know, some college kid waved to them thanks for listening to part one of our dialogue with legendary writer dave schiff tune in next week for the exciting conclusion of our conversation thanks for listening to a page in history a page in history is produced by david harris Katz entertainment for more information on our television shows syndication and more go to dhcats.com and to listen to more episodes of A Page in History, or if you've been lucky enough to call yourself one of the world-famous NBC pages and would like to appear on the show, go to apageinhistory.tv.